Well, Jesus, I'll address the gospel today. Uh, this is a very uh, powerful passage, sometimes maybe a little bit hard to understand because he's talking about things that, occur, you know, you have to understand the historical context. What was going on at that time was the Pharisees uh, and their scholars would have a kind of a debate with each other about oaths. And uh, if someone would say an oath out of anger or out of just kind of being flippant or, um, you know, just they got, they, they were surprised, they didn't put a lot of forethought into their oath, they would make, they, they made an oath, say they made it in that kind of context. Were they bound to their oath? And uh, seems like the, the dominant school of thought was, yeah, they are. They're bound to their oath. It doesn't matter what the context is. It doesn't matter what the consequences are. They're bound to their oath. So sometimes what would happen is, is this, you got this concept of Corban, which means it's um, a sacrifice dedicated to the temple or to God. Okay? And so sometimes uh, there might be a, a son who might be angry with his parents. That never happens, does it, with the children ever angry with them? So there might be a, maybe a teenager you know, who gets angry with his parents, and he says, well, whatever gain you might get from me is Corban, meaning, meaning dedicated to God. And uh, what, what he's saying is, uh, you know, you're not going to get nothing from me. And so the, the scholars and the of the Pharisees would say, I mean, he said that out of anger. Should he be held to it? And they say, yeah, he, he needs to be held to that. So, so therefore, he, from there, that point on, he's bound, under pain of sin, to say, I can't basically, uh, none of my profits from my work or anything can ever go to support my parents. Okay? So e even regardless of these really terrible consequences, uh, he's got to stick to that oath. Now, I'm sure there was a lot of complexity to it and uh, the conversations were not altogether stupid. Nonetheless, they, they were short-sighted ultimately, and they're, they're missing the bigger picture, and it's, a, it's a, a violation of the fourth commandment of honoring your father and your mother. So Jesus is, is kind of intelligent about how he's, he's addressing the Pharisees because they come at him in the name of tradition, and tradition is really, in a lot of ways, another way of understanding the fourth commandment. Okay, because it's respecting what has gone before you, your elders, those who have older than you, previous generations. Okay, that you're you know you're obliged to them because you're a beneficiary in so many ways to previous generations. That's a natural thing. Um, so they say to him, well, you know, you're you're disregarding, you know, you're being impious, you're being disrespectful, you're violating the fourth commandment. Is the implication that that they're saying to Jesus, and so Jesus. You know, he doesn't. He puts it in the proper context, and he shows them actually how their traditions violate the fourth commandment, and not what he's doing. Um, so there's a question of tradition. Tradition, uh, in and of itself, is a good thing because, like I said, it's rooted in the fourth commandment. It's honoring previous generations. We're all beneficiaries of previous generations, and uh, and it's important for us to respect uh, them. And sometimes that's manifested by carrying on tradition. Um, so I would say maybe there's there's two different kinds of tradition, and that's really kind of the deeper issue here. There's a good tradition and a bad tradition. Um, the bad tradition is the one that uh, comes about from human agency and contravenes uh, God's divine law or God's divine tradition. Okay, a good tradition is a tradition that comes from God, okay, and is passed on in God's name. 
uh, or maybe a human tradition that doesn't contravene God's tradition. Okay, so that, that would be a good tradition. And you see that sort of tradition talked about all throughout the, the New Testament as well as the Old. So uh, tradition per se is not bad. In fact, really in and of itself it's good. It's just that if it's merely human in origin and uh, it contravenes God's law, then it's got to go. So Christianity can be sometimes revolutionary and sometimes conservative, socially conservative, um, depending on the background culture that you're that it's uh, confronting. So if the culture is been deeply imbibed uh, with Christian principles and Christian thought, like ours ha- has been the European and American tr- uh, culture, then a Christian is going to he's going to tend to appear to be more. Uh, traditional, more socially conservative, so forth and so on. But if it's a culture that's that's got really bad, th- if it's a pagan culture, and if it's got certain elements of it that are totally incompatible with Christianity, then the Christian's going to appear like a radical hippie at that point. You know, he's going to look like he's he's overthrowing everything. So missionaries have a have a really tough job because they got to come into a given culture, they got to discern uh, with with God's wisdom and God's help. What are the, the, the cultural and traditional elements in this people group that are good and that are compatible with Christianity? What are the, the ones that are just neutral that we shouldn't touch? Okay, but then what are the ones that really are contrary? Like human sacrifice, for example, or cannibalism? Okay, those are, you know, traditions that you shouldn't have reverence or piety for. You, those gotta go. Those kinds of traditions have to go. So the, the job of the missionary is pretty tricky. Today we celebrate the the memorial of Saint Paul Miki. Phenomenal story. You study this. I'm I'm flabbergasted with all all the saints' lives. They're amazing. Um, Saint Francis Xavier brought the the gospel to Japan around 1550, and within 20, 30, 40 years, there there were up to 200,000 Christians in Japan. Okay, huge uh, success of the gospel in Japan at that time. The king and uh, another other forces, cultural forces, were like, "Whoa, this is getting out of hand. We want these missionaries out of here. We don't want Christianity in here." And uh, they they took they made an example of a number of very strong uh, Japanese converts. One of whom was Paul Miki. He was a priest, I believe. And uh, they made them march like 600 miles. They cut off their left ear. They made this public example of them. They paraded them around these different streets. Uh, they marched them 600 miles to um, uh, Nagasaki, okay, uh, which is the city we drop, Americans dropped the bomb on. Uh, they, they marched them to Nagasaki. This is around 1590-something. And, um, and they crucified them all on this particular hill. Uh, what was, so, and, and Christianity was effectively wiped out, actually, at that time. But the mar- remarkable thing is that when missionaries came back, were allowed to come back into Japan as late as 1880, okay, so 250 years later, they found Christians, a lot of them, around Nagasaki. They didn't have the Bibles. Everything was by tradition. They remembered the faith and had passed it down from generation to generation for 250 years. Isn't that remarkable? So one of the most amazing Examples of oral tradition being preserved over the course of multiple generations that you can find. Real life example. Now it is it is the case that they had because they didn't have priests. So so the Catholic Christianity they had received 
kind of, well, you know, sort of like modified uh, according to their circumstances. But it was pretty well intact. Like they knew the Our Father, they knew the Hail Mary, they knew the Apostles' Creed, all of this stuff. Um, they knew passages of the Bible from memory. Um, part of it, I think they probably had some of their own sort of like a little bit of myth and legend sort of mixed in there. But for the most part, Catholic Christianity had been pretty much preserved pretty well, but at least the core bit of it so that they could exercise faith. Um, and we see in that example uh, the, uh, good tradition and bad tradition. This ties us back to our gospel. The bad tradition was, well, you know, they, they converted these Japanese guys like uh, Paul Miki. They converted from some of their pagan customs that were not compatible with Christianity. And the other people were not happy about it, and they, got, and they killed them for it because of it. Uh, but then you see good tradition. And that is when the truth was given to them, they were able to preserve it across 250 years uh, of tradition, of, of respect for their parents, because my parents taught me this, because my grandparents taught me this, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so my brothers and sisters, it's not really a question so much of tradition, it's a question of truth. And uh, truth can be conveyed through tradition, uh, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes bad things are conveyed through tradition. So we pray God give us that discernment to tell the difference, whether it be our American culture, do you think that sometimes our American culture trumps our Christianity? Mm, I think so, sometimes. You know, so God give us the discernment to know when is tradition, when is culture bad, uh, and, and when is it good.